Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. chose to be here, and so for that I'm thankful. Uh, those butterflies that you just saw started in Canada, and by some miracle, they all make their way, about a half a billion of them, to this forest in Mexico. It happens every year. And, uh, and they all, when they're, when they're cold, they, they cluster up. You kind of, the first scene of that video, you're like, what, what is this? What are these, these gray cones? And right as the temperature hits 50 degrees, their wings begin to warm up and loosen up. And what starts as a trickle, where one monarch butterfly drops off the end, what starts as a trickle turns into a stream, which turns into a cascade of a half a billion monarch butterflies flying. And I just think to, to be there, to witness that would be unbelievable. I would also be afraid of swallowing one because of how many there are. It would almost be overwhelming to see something that amazing and to think for a second all those things were caterpillars. They were just caterpillars at one point. And they were transformed into new creations, new creatures, and it is totally mind-blowing. I'll come back to caterpillars and butterflies in a minute. But we're doing this series called So Now What? And I'm excited. It's a three-week series. It's on the power and the person and the impact of the Holy Spirit, one of the members of the Trinity. And... Uh, you know, obviously last week was Easter, and you've heard this story, Jesus comes back from the dead, right? They, they killed him, and then three days later, he resurrected, and he came back from the dead, and the disciples, when they saw him, they're like, okay, so now what? Like, what are we supposed to do now? And so this whole message series is about us living in this life after Easter, not the holiday, but after the event of Easter, as Christian people living this Holy Spirit-filled life. If, if you remember, and if you don't, that's okay. I'll, I'll tell you kind of the background of, of how we even get to Easter. Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, just the little town of Bethlehem, lives 30 years in relative obscurity. Nobody really knows who he is. When he's 30, starts teaching, starts doing miracles. People start following him. He's got 12 key men that he calls disciples, and they follow him around for about three years. And, and as he's going around teaching, he tells lots of stories. And we call them parables. And as he's telling parables, the disciples are not the sharpest tools in the shed. They always have to ask him, Jesus, what did you mean by that? And sometimes he lets it hang, and he says, ah, you'll find out later. And sometimes he comes back and circles back and says, this is what I meant when I told this story of the parable. But it, it takes a second for the disciples to catch on to what Jesus is talking about. Over, the, over these three years, Jesus predicts his death, I think, seven times, three for sure. Like, pretty explicit, predicts his death. But when Jesus actually dies, his disciples, what do they do? They hid in a room for two days, wondering what just happened to Jesus. 
And then Jesus, over those three years, he was with his disciples. He predicted his resurrection, sometimes subtly, but sometimes very obviously, 21 times. He told him, I'm going to come back from the dead 21 different times. And the disciples are just, they're nervous, they're scared, they're in the upper room. They forgot. They didn't put it together. Maybe they thought... When Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life, maybe they thought he was talking about a parable. It was symbolic for something. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is dead. And one of the gospel write, writer, writers writes that in, these, in this two or three day period where Jesus was in the tomb, the disciples forgot that Jesus had even predicted, predicted his resurrection. That's why they're so scared. They don't want to be killed with Jesus because they're clearly his followers. So they hide. And then Easter Sunday, Jesus comes back from the dead and they go, oh, oh yeah, now, now I'm connecting the dots. Jesus said he was going to do this. And so for 40 more days, they, Jesus shows himself to like 500 people proving that he was actually back from the dead. And his disciples are going like, we didn't know what he meant, but now we know what he means. He was going to come back from the dead. And then Jesus throws him another curveball. 40 days after resurrecting from the dead, Jesus takes the disciples out to a mountain. And he says, uh, therefore... This is Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And the disciples start looking at each other and go, this sounds like the start to a farewell speech. What, what's going on now? And Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, and, and is there anything else, Jesus? And then this is the line that had to have surprised them. And surely I'm with you. Always, even to the end of the age. And then as soon as he said him, surely I'm with you always, he ascends into heaven. Boom. Gone. And the disciples look at each other going, wait a minute. He just said he was going to be with us always. So, so why did he leave? And I imagine the disciples were like, are we supposed to go with him? And they're like, Phew. and it didn't work. And he goes, wait, I thought he was supposed to be with us always. Once again, the disciples prove that there's hope for me and you. They don't get it. They can't wrap their mind around it. And then, over the next couple days, they experience something that they had never experienced before. They experience, for the first time, the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in them, empowering them. They do things that are unimaginable. We're going to talk about some of them in this series. And, and a couple days later, they remember what Jesus said. They're like, he said he was going to be with us always, but he's not here. How does this make any sense? And then it, it dawns on them. And one of the disciples apparently, I, I, I'm sure, goes, wait a minute. Do you guys remember what Jesus said a couple weeks ago? Jesus predicted this would happen too. And in John 14, this is what Jesus said a couple weeks before he died. He said, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. I've told you now before it happens. Look, he even warns them. You're going to forget. I've told you now even before it happens. So that when it does happen, you will believe. And they still forget. In two chapters later, he said, 
I am going to him who sent me. Jesus says, I'm going to go back to the Father in heaven. This is my plan. I'm going to ascend. But none of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. So disciples, they don't care so much about Jesus. They just care about themselves. They're filled with grief because Jesus is going to leave. They don't even ask him where he's going. They're just sad that he's leaving them. And they're kind of looking at each other like, can we keep this up without Jesus here? He's kind of the secret sauce to the movement. And Jesus says one more verse. He says, but very truly I tell you, this is important. It is for your good. It is for your good that I'm going away. And they must have heard that and thought, Jesus is crazy. He, made, he drank too much wine. He made the wine, then he drank too much. There's no way that it's going to be for my good that Jesus is going away. Because then Jesus says, unless I go, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So, so catch this. Let, let's just make sure we're on the same page before we go any further. Jesus actually said to his followers, it's better that I go. After doing three years of mind-blowing things on the earth, gaining thousands of followers, it's better that I go because if I don't go, the Father won't spend the, send the Holy Spirit. But if I go, the Father, just like he sent me, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the third member of the Trinity is coming in hot. And it's going to be for your good. And maybe the disciples, as they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, if you've read some of those stories, it's kind of crazy. And they thought, oh, this is what he meant when he said, I'm going to be with you always. He wasn't talking about him, Jesus, the Son. He was talking about God. He was talking about the Holy Spirit will be with us always. Now, Theologically, you guys, some of you guys have been in church long enough that you've heard some of this before. You've read some of these verses before. You understand the concept of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You get this. And theologically, you've even heard that Jesus said it would be better that he goes. But here's the rub. And here's the tension. And when I say it's better that Jesus left, it was for our good that he did, because the advocate, the advocate, the Holy Spirit wasn't going to be able to come unless Jesus left. It's better now. It's better now. Here's, here's the rub. You can almost feel the disbelief in the room. And you can feel the lack of interest in the room. We, we'd all pay to have Jesus be our pastor. If Jesus was a pastor at a church in Gehenna, would you be here? You can almost, you don't even, you just feel this like, wow, but is it really better? And the reason why we feel that way is because very few of us have experienced what Jesus was talking about. It being better than Jesus being with us in person. Even people that have been in church forever, your whole lives, have never experienced the Holy Spirit's presence and action and voice in their life. Like, you know how to talk about the Holy Spirit, but if you're being honest, it feels a little bit far away. And I'm actually not throwing a whole lot of shade, because I think a lot of the reason why we feel this way is because of churches. 
And because a pastor is just like me, I include myself in the lot of people who have stifled the voice and the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit in churches because we would like to keep things under control. Because you and I both know, if you've watched YouTube or grew up in church or watched TV at all, it's like, if we talk about the Holy Spirit too much, well, we might get, we might go a little bit too far. Like, we might start having, like, healing services and speaking in tongues and people talking about the word prophecy. And so that things don't feel too weird, let's just stay over here. And what we've accidentally done is in an effort to stay away from the crazy stuff, we have stayed way far away from the Holy Spirit-filled life and church that we all want to be a part of. And I'm guilty of, 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 in some ways, leading our church into this because I love to have a plan, and I love to be in control, and I like to keep things kind of wrapped up. We've got the master plan. We've got our sermons scheduled till October. And it's like, is the whole, how the Holy Spirit fits into that is a little confusing sometimes, but I'm just saying, because I love to have a plan, and I love to be in control, and because I don't want to look weird, I for sure at times have, have kept the Holy Spirit at bay. No question about it. No question. And I... I I was, I've been thinking about this for a couple months. I'm so excited about this series. And I had a friend who recently decided he wanted to trade in his truck and get a new truck. And I was listening to him tell this story, and he, he drove his old truck in and parked it in front of the lot and went in and, you know, talked to the people and made a deal and went into the office and signed the papers. He was trading his old truck. He's getting a brand new truck, and they walked outside his new truck. They pulled it up underneath the little whatever thing, and, and he's, he, they pull it up, and, and they give him the keys to say, you own this thing. And they go, oh, and watch this, watch this. And they, he, they said, hold down the power, or excuse me, hold down the lock button for three seconds and watch what happens. So he, he holds it down and the car just turns on remote start and he's going, no way. I've never had this before. Ohio winners just got so much better remote start. He's like, I've, I've really arrived in life now. And then it hits him. He says, wait a minute. Do you have the keys to my old car? And he said, yeah, they're right here. He said, give them to me for a second. They tossed him the old truck keys, and he held down the lock button for three seconds, and his truck started. <laughs> for five years. His truck could have started if somebody had told him about it. And he goes, are you kidding me? Like, nobody told me about the capabilities. Nobody told me that I could just hold it down. It would warm up in the driveway. We're going through this series because I never want you to be able to accuse me that I didn't talk about the Holy Spirit-filled life and the Holy Spirit-filled church and the capabilities and the power that is possible. I'm not going to be the reason that you're not going to know. I'm not going to be the reason that, that you always feel like God's a little bit far away and, and other people can talk about God's stories, but I've never had any personally. I'm not going to be the reason that that happens. I'm going to tell you all about it. All about it. In this series for three weeks, here's, here's my plan, but I'm holding it loosely, I promise. My plan is that today I'm going to tell you a couple stories of some stuff that's happened in here and just try to, to whet your appetite and get you eager and hungry for a little bit more. And I'm going to talk again about butterflies and caterpillars in a minute. 
And then Tyler Gorham is going to come up next week, and he's going to ground this whole thing theologically and biblically. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What does it mean for us? He's going to show you stories in the Bible, how all this came to be. It's not all just, you know, Hayes machine and people that are really feely who feel the Holy Spirit. Tyler's going to ground it in Scripture. And then week three, you're not going to believe this, I don't have a plan. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I have tried to make many plans, and the Holy Spirit has stopped me. I, I, for the whole life of Three Creeks, I've been like four months out, at least, on what I'm going to talk about. And in two weeks, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm very curious to see and to hear what God will do in us, through us, around us in the next two weeks. And maybe in a couple weeks, we'll just share some of that. Some of you are like, I can't wait for that. Some of you are like, all of a sudden, that's the weekend I'm out of town. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. And it might be. But I'm not going to be the reason that we don't tap into all that God wants for us. So, so I'm going to resist the urge. I'm going to discipline myself to have too much of a plan and let God do what he wants to do. Have you ever done something that you know the Holy Spirit led you to do? Have you ever done something that you know that the Holy Spirit led you to do, you would not have done it unless God told you to do it? Have you ever said anything to anyone that you know God wanted you to say it? You wouldn't have said it, you resisted saying it, God said, I want you to say it, and you said it. Have you ever given a gift or money to a person or a ministry or a church that you know God wanted you to give? You would not have given it had God not put it on your heart to give it. You just went into it going, I don't want to do this, but God wants me to do this. Have you ever done anything that you know for sure that the Holy Spirit of God prompted you and led you to do. This week, in our church, somebody called me, or I guess it was a text at first, and they said, hey, we feel led by the Holy Spirit to give money to someone in our church. And, and from time to time this happens, and I love to get to play the middleman. These are people that want to be anonymous. They don't want to be known. And I kind of start off with like, great, you know, here's how we do that. And, and, uh, and I said, I think I remember saying like, later this week I'll be able to, you know, make the handoff, if you will. And the person who wanted to give this gift, who felt led by the Holy Spirit, said, there's, there's something urgent about this. I have to do it today. We have to do this today. I said, well, then we can do it today. Let's do it today. If, if the Spirit is putting that on you, then I'm not going to be the one to stop it. Let's do it today. I don't know why. That person didn't know why. But there's a sense of urgency here. So an hour later or so, I get to, I get to play Santa Claus a little bit. I get to call this person. Oh, and I didn't mention that. This anonymous person who wanted to give this money also said, and we have one person in mind. We have a specific person in mind that we want this to go to. I said, great. 
And so I called this one person and I said, I did not, I have nothing to do with this. I'm simply the communicator here. I'm the pass through. I'm the conduit. And I'm really proud of our church that we get to be this for people. But somebody in our church feels led by the Holy Spirit to give you $500 today. And I asked the anonymous donor, I said, what prompted this? And they said, we got a bonus that we didn't expect. And the first thing we thought was we got to give this away. And then God brought this person to our mind. And so we want to give it. And I said, somebody wants to give you $500 and it has to be today. And I don't know why it has to be today, but it's supposed to be today. And she just started crying on the other end of the phone. And I was like, why is it today? <laughs> and she said, oops, I just spoiled that. You already knew it was either a guy or a girl. Now you know it's a girl. <laughs> and she said, uh, I was laying in my bed last night. We've had so much going on. I was laying in my bed last night. And I prayed these words out loud. God, I need a miracle. I need a financial miracle. And I just got to say, I think this is a part of it, at least. Have you ever done anything that you just knew God wanted you to do? And then maybe a follow-up question is, how sure do you have to be to do it? Like, how sure do you have to be that it's God before you make that move? You know what I'm saying? Like... You know, you feel prompted to give 50 grand, and it's like, ooh, I hope that one's not God. <laughs> you know, like, but like, how sure do you have to be that this is really God putting this on my heart before you move into it? God says, I want you to go say this to this person. It's going to come out of nowhere. It doesn't make any sense, but I want you to, how sure do you have to be? I was at this conference, and I, I heard this story about this uh, this. There's two people here there's, there's in this story. There's a guy who the, the people are being kind of like asked, do you have a prophetic word for somebody else who's standing around you? And if that weirds you out, well, this is about to get weird, okay? So this guy, the, 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 they're being asked, like, is the Holy Spirit putting it on anyone's heart, on anyone's mind? Does anybody have a, a word that they're supposed to speak into and speak over a prayer into somebody's life? You might not even know who the person is, somebody around you. And... Uh, one of the guys just feels like God wants him to go and say something over this other guy. And so he goes over and he prays and he just prays whatever God brings to his mind. And there, the, what he prays and what he prophesies over this person. And this, imagine how weird this would be if you were the person receiving prayer. He says... I just feel like there's a weight and a darkness on you and you've thought about taking your own life and God wants to just say to you today through me that you're not supposed to do that and that God has big plans for your life. Imagine that. Imagine going over and praying that over somebody. Imagine hearing that prayer over you. Like, have I had those thoughts? Well, it turns out the guy had been having all of those thoughts. Turns out the guy had plans to take his own life. And may, I don't know, one of them had a relationship with somebody at the conference or whatever. And, and I think at the next session, they bring them both up on stage 
and they're talking about what God did through this one person to this other person and how in, in his words it saved my life and, and they ask the guy who received the word to give and they said how sure were you how sure were you that it was God and he said 10% <laughs> and they asked the guy who received the word how thankful are you and he said 100% 100% when you hear God prompting you to do something to say something, to give something to make a move, to talk to somebody when you hear God doing that you're like how sure am I let me just give you a, a really basic framework of how to figure out should I do this or not it's, it's as simple as ABC A is it affirming? B, is it biblical? And C, is it Christ-like? If so, you've really got nothing to lose. I'd go for it. Is it affirming? Does it build up? Is it biblical or is it not biblical? Because we've all heard somebody quote something that's not biblical and God told me to do that. Is it biblical? And is it Christ-like? In that case, if it's A, B, C, what do you have to lose? And I heard this story about the 100%, 10%. I'm like, okay, that's a great story for them. And then it happened to me where somebody took a risk to do something that God wanted them to do for me. January, February, as we all know, stinks in Ohio. There's nothing to do. It's freezing cold. And I, I just had just been a little bit, I don't know, we'll call it apathetic spiritually. To be honest with you, I, feel st I still felt like I was crawling out of COVID as a leader. And I just was just like down. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I began to feel very convicted or challenged. I was like, man, I just wish I could be a Christian again like I was in my 20s. I wish I wasn't as jaded as I, I am now. I, I want to be back. And I just was like, God, I just feel like the Holy Spirit would speak to me all the time when I was younger. And what happened to me now? And then I get invited to go to this conference. It's the first week of March. And the theme of the conference is called Empowered, and it's about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going, oh, yeah, like this is going to be that moment where God wakes me up. I come to life again. I can't wait to go. So, so we're on the plane down to Florida, and I'm thinking two things. I, I told my best friend Mark on the plane. I said, man, I'm just telling you, I've got a weird feeling about this conference. I am so excited. I'm eager like I haven't been in a long time. And I don't go to every conference eager. Sometimes I go to conference just to get away from it all. And I went to this one. I'm like, man, I can't wait to learn. And I just feel like God's going to do something in my life. There's a sense of expectancy that I'm not even used to. I'm really excited. And then as the conversation went on, I just began to explain that I've just recently just felt this really heavy weight, this really heavy burden in leading our church into like the next phase of, I'm just not, I'm not experienced in any of this stuff. And so it just feels like, you know, we've started having conversations about buildings and land, and, and, and we're not really that close to doing it yet, but the conversation started, and I just feel a little overwhelmed by it, and I just feel burdened. I use the word burden. 
We get to Florida. We check into the house. This is on a Monday. Tuesday morning, the conference starts at, we're going to leave the house at 1030. And so I wake up and I'm going to, I just went on a walk, put my AirPods in, listen to music. And on Tuesday morning, I get a text from Cody Kerr. Does anybody know who Cody Kerr is? Cody, where are you at? He's in here. He's right there. Hit JJ to raise his hand for Cody. All right, so Cody. Cody's a construction worker from Shelby, Ohio. He's not a real touchy-feely guy. I don't even, I don't even know you knew how to use audio messages. And, and he's one of my favorite people in our church, but I, I wouldn't say something, like this is so out of character. And it's, it was so unusual to get a, one, a voice message from you, and then two, to listen to what it said, I was blown away at your obedience to the Holy Spirit. I couldn't believe it. I want to I want to play you. Go ahead. Morning, Joel. Wanted to share something with you. Uh, was in the shower where I do my best thinking, but this was not my thought, and, and I know it for sure. It's not something I normally share, but um, I knew this was not my thought. So I was told. Um, to tell you that this is not your burden, this is mine, capital M. So I'm not sure what that means, but I knew it was not my thought. I had goosebumps, and so this, like I said, it's not something I normally share, but God put that on my heart to let you know. So anyway, man, we'll catch you later. Uh, have a good time. Bye. Bye. And my, I mean, my jaw, I was just like, <laughs> Cody? And I went and I, I took one of my AirPods as soon as I got back to the house and I stuck it in Mark's ear. And I said, listen to this. And I played it and his jaw just went. Because it was like word for word what I'd been talking about. And here I was thinking I needed to go to some conference in Florida to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And really what I needed was a friend from my church to be obedient. That's all I needed. I just needed a buddy from my church who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God to be obedient and get out of the shower and send a voice message. And, and truly, Cody, that has like shifted like my spiritual walk this year. That moment was what God wanted to give me. I didn't even need to go to the conference. I could have gone on the plane and come back. Have you ever done anything or said anything or given anything or... or just said something to somebody that you knew God wanted you to do it. And I don't know how sure you were. You sounded pretty sure. But how sure do you got to be to do it? Have you ever done anything that you thought maybe God wanted you to do? And then hindsight, you're like, I don't think God wanted me to do that. You ever done that? I, I, I was, it was in 2011. I had an hour to kill before an indoor soccer game. I remember it well. I was in Colorado Springs. I had an hour to kill, and I was just like, I'm going to pray. And in the first two minutes of my prayer, I just felt like God put it on my heart to go into the grocery store. It's called King Supers. Go into a King Supers and buy a $100 gift card. And let me tell you, in 2011, that was a lot of dough for me. $100, God? $100, Joel. Walked in, bought a $100 gift card, and he said, I just felt God, the Holy Spirit, say, find somebody in the parking lot. They need this more than you do. Okay? 
So I just kind of sit there and I see people walk in and out. I'm praying, God, is this the person? God, is this the person? God, is this the person? And I just, there's a, there's a guy that gets out of a truck and I, I just felt it pressed upon me, go and give $100 to that person. So I walk up and I give him the King Supers gift card and he goes, thanks. And just walked in the store. He didn't even say anything else. And I walked back to my car just like, man, I thought that was going to be an awesome experience. And he just took my money. And I imagined this conversation in heaven. I don't know if this is theologically accurate, but I think you'll get my point. I imagined this conversation in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father looks at God the Son and says, what is Joel doing right now? And God the Son says, well, I don't know, ask the Spirit. And God the Father goes to God the Spirit and says, what is Joel doing? We did not, this is not the plan, we did not ask him to do that. And the Holy Spirit says, I know, I didn't tell him. I did not tell him to do that. He came up with that completely on his own. And God looks down on little 23-year-old Joel Trainer and goes, yeah, but I like this kid now. Let's see what we can do with him. And I just, I just picture that conversation, and, and it's like, how sure do you got to be to do it? Well, maybe just 10%. Is it affirming? Is it biblical? Is it Christ-like? Just do it. What's, what's, what do you got to lose? This, this full life that just Jesus describes is only available if we're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. For us to say that the Holy Spirit is real and in us but never listen, we may as well say that he doesn't exist. That, I think, would honor God more. So let me close the message with... Uh, I'll tell you about a church in the Bible real quick who, if we're being honest, you and I would walk into this church and be like, whoa, this is a lot of weird stuff going on in here. It's the church in Corinth. And to be fair, there was some weird stuff going on at this church. But in this particular instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we read about some of their church services, some of their gatherings. And what happens is unbelievable. In 1 Corinthians... 14, just so you know, this church is not afraid of being a little weird. They're not afraid of being a little different. They're not afraid at all of asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? So they're speaking in tongues, and they're prophesying over one another, and they're praying over one another. And to, to the outsider, you might think, whoa, that, they've just got to be so turned off by their religion and their, their weirdness. But not, that's not what happens. Look what happens. In verse 24... If an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. In other words, the presence of God is undeniable in this place. There is no way that they could have come up with that on their own. This is not a human experience. This is spiritual. God is really among you. And it made me think, I was thinking about Three Creeks this week, it made me think, man, what would be the first thing out of somebody's mouth if they came in and observed our service? Is the first thing that would come to their mouth, God is really among you? I don't know. 
Maybe sometimes, but I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we're batting a thousand on that one. And, and I'm going to own that. Because I feel like, to some extent, we have just kind of kept the Holy Spirit at bay. Don't get too weird. Just a little bit, but not much. I just feel like I've led us there, and we're comfortable there, which is crazy to think that we've got some car keys that can turn on remote start, and we're not even using them. This is going to sound a little funny, but uh, in my house right now, we've got a little jar, and it looks like there's like this much mud in the bottom, and then like three weeks ago, there were like four little worms. Anybody ever done this before? You know what I'm talking about? There's four little worms, they eat the mud, and then they grow into caterpillars. And then all of a sudden, they're cocooned on the roof of the jar. And then you take the lid off, I think, and then you put it in this thing that looks like a mesh laundry basket. And apparently, these things are going to turn into butterflies, and that will be amazing, right? Like, really crazy. So I've been thinking about what it would be like to be a caterpillar. And I'm like, man, I'm a worm, and I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to wake up with wings, right? Imagine, you're like, this has got to be a dream. You know, you like shake yourself. This is not a dream. I have wings. And the caterpillar just starts to, you know, use their wings and fly. And it, it really would be a traumatic experience, I think, to go from caterpillar to butterfly. Like, holy smokes, I'm a new creature. I don't even look the same at all. A couple questions. What if butterflies never flew? What if they had wings, but they never flew? What if they just walked around like worms with fins? What if they ignored their wings? Would anybody in here have any interest in paying $22 per adult to go see that conservatory? Would you go to the Franklin Park Conservatory and pay $22 per adult and $15 per child to go see the worms with fins? <laughs> you would not do that. In fact, if you went to the Franklin Park Conservatory and you walked in and there were no butterflies, there were just walking worms with fins, you'd be like, what is going on in here? And I, I, I would venture to say that some of you would try to get your money back. You would say, this is not as advertised. This is not a butterfly exhibit. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And I'm, I'm a little afraid that perhaps as American churches, that's exactly what we have done. Where because we're scared to fly and see if the wings work, we have remained hairy, wormy little things who have fins but don't fly. And people might come in and go, wait a minute. I thought this was supposed to be different than this. I want my money back. And for lack of a better way to put it, man, I just want to be a butterfly exhibit here, man. Like, I want us to experience this, like, 
it's written like the old is gone, the new has come, you are a new creation. So it's actually supposed to feel, the transformation is supposed to feel like it would feel if we were a caterpillar and now we're a butterfly. That's what it's supposed to feel like for us. And so we've got to shift our mindset a little bit from being like, man, I wonder if God's going to do anything this week. Probably not if it's anything like last week. But I wonder, maybe God will do something this week. We've got to change our mindset from that to like, God is definitely going to do something this week. And it's probably, he's probably going to talk to me because he's an active God who speaks and moves and works through his people. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And so God, if you want to do anything through me this week, I'm open. My ears are open. I will do what you want me to do. I will say what you want me to say. I will give what you want me to give. I think you're up to something. I'm pretty sure of it. God, will you use me this week? We've got to change from I don't think he's going to do anything to I know he's going to do it. Am I going to see it? We've got to shift our mindset and have this sense of expectancy because the Holy Spirit is in us. And Jesus said that was better than having Jesus as a friend right here next to us. And the crazy thing, you guys, the crazy thing, like, I know that to some of you this sounds like so, like, far away from where you're at. Like, how do we, that's going to take years to get to the point where I'm feeling like this Holy Spirit-filled life. It's just so far away from what I'm experiencing. Here's the beauty of it. You just got to say yes just one time to the Spirit's prompting in your life, and you're doing it. This is not a destination. This is a part of being a Christian. This is life. And so the beauty of it is that this week, maybe today, maybe on your way out of church, maybe as soon as I'm done talking and we sing this song and we have prayer back there, maybe just right now God's going to put something on your heart. You're going to look over at somebody else in the row next to you and be like, I'm supposed to go pray for that person right now. The beauty of this is that you do not have to wait for this to happen and it's not a destination you get to when you're spiritually mature, when you're in your 50s. Like, that's not what we're talking about. You can do this right now. And so I want to ask you a question as I close. Here it is. What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do and are you willing to do it? Even if you're 10%, are you willing to do it? It could be 100% what somebody else needs to hear. 100% what somebody else needs to receive. One final thought about a caterpillar. I'm sure. I don't even know if caterpillars have brains, but if they have a brain, think about this. The first time they step off a ledge, that's risky, man. They don't know if the wings work. They will work, but they don't know for sure. And so I say that to acknowledge that what God is asking you to do, what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do, is going to feel risky. It's not going to feel real comfortable. It's going to be like, oh, really? Like that? That. Will you do it? And can we be a church that people would walk into and go, man, God is among them. This is different. This is not human. This is beyond savvy. It's beyond an experience. Like, this is spiritual. God is among them. The only way we get that is if all of us who are Christians, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, go, God, what are you asking me to do? I'm willing to do it. 
I'm willing to say it. I'm willing to give it. I hope that we can have this, this life as a church, this full life as, as individual people and as a church. Take a few minutes and think about this question and then we'll sing one more song together. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.